You know, we need to know what God is able to do. What is God able to do? What do you used to believe that God was able to do, but you don't believe he's able to do it anymore? Is your faith in the Lord getting stronger where you're having more confidence in what God is able to do or less because you tried him, he failed you, so you know he can't do that. I won't trust him in that area of my life anymore. So are there there things that God just can't do, won't do, he's not able to do? And yet at the same time, we're taught in the Bible to, to know the things that God is able to do. Because wouldn't it be a shame to waste your life trusting God to do something God can't do, won't do? Never going to happen, Captain? Or to know what God is able to do, and then you're more likely to trust Him in that area. So it's good to know what God is able to do. Take your Bible and turn there with me to the book of Hebrews in chapter 7. Hebrews and chapter 7. I just want to give you a couple things to think about because you never know when you're going to need it. In Hebrews chapter 7, I want you to look there in verse 23. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. In other words, they died. And that's why they had to have another one, and then they'd die, and then they'd have to have another one, and then they'd die, and they'd have to have another one. Wouldn't it be neat if they just had a high priest that would just live forever? Well, that's what Christ was. Christ was a high priest that wouldn't die. So he can intercede forever. And look what he says there in verse 24. But this man, this man, referring to Christ, because he continueth ever. That means he has eternal life. It means he's forever. He's not going to die anymore. Never die. Get this, hath an unchangeable priesthood, never changes. God's promises to you and I are based upon that which does not change. God doesn't lie. God doesn't change. And look what he says in verse 25. Wherefore, because he's able to live forever, and because he doesn't change Look at the next verse. Wherefore he is, and here's that word, you ought to just underline it. He is able also to save them to the uttermost. They always say from the guttermost to the uttermost. Well, it's talking about he's able to save you completely forever. Means he's able to save you, not just for a day or month or a week or forever. Why? Because of this reason. He doesn't change And he is forever. And he saves you forever. That sounds pretty good to me. He says, to the uttermost, that is what I would consider eternal security. You're eternally secure. See, and he, and here's those two words again, ever liveth to make intercession for them. There's nothing from this day Forward that can ever separate me from the love of God. So therefore, I have great confidence in what God has to say. And I never have to worry because I know what my God is able to do. To save me for all eternity. Completely. Forever. He can never cast me out and never lose me. Anyone who teaches you can lose your salvation, do not understand this book. They do not understand the power of God. What he is able to do. 
to do. Now, take your Bible and turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Because, you know, you, you got to get saved first before all these other things really make much sense. But in 2 Corinthians in chapter 9, and look there in verse 6. There's a lot of good teaching right here in these few verses, but I just want you to look at them. In verse 6 says, But this I say, he that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now this is to the believers, not in the Old Testament. This is in the New Testament, to the church, to you and I, and it's now. And God tells us that if we will sow sparingly, then evidently we're the one that decides how much I sow. I can be a, a cheapskate. I can invest heavily in the Lord's work, or I can be cheap. You can do whatever you want to do. But just so that you know, God said he's the one up in heaven, and he's the one that can open doors and close doors. He can pour out the abundance. He can open up the windows of heaven, and he can have the earth bring forth all these things because of how you sow. And then he makes this statement in verse 7. Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly, like, I have to do this. Or of necessity, he says, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And there's a promise that God made in his word about what he is able to do. Now, he doesn't always necessarily may do it to satisfy you. But you need to know what God is capable of doing. So look there in verse 8. God is, and there's that word, he's able, get this, to make all grace abound toward you. Did you know there's a God in heaven that not only can save you completely for all eternity, but you got to live in the nasty here and now, and he can't help you at all. Sorry about that. Or can he? God says that he is able to make all grace abound toward you based upon your giving spirit. Or whether or not you uh, so sparingly or begrudgingly, cheerfully, aboundfully, as he says. But look what he says again. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. In other words, all that you need. All the grace that you need, all the power that you need, whatever it is you need, God says, I'm able to supply everything for you. You see, just sometimes people have a hard time trusting the Lord. You know what sowing means? It means you taking the initiative and doing it first and then expecting the results later. Some people are waiting for God, all these blessings, and then they will decide if they want to do it or not. No, no, no. God says, you first. And you say, no, 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 you first. No, 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 you first. After you. No, 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 after you. So we look in the last part of this verse. That ye, get this, always having most, no, all sufficiency in all things. May have what? Money in the bank. A new pink Cadillac. No, no, that's not what it said. That you might have everything that you need. And last part, 
may abound to every good work. Oh, we're back to work again. In other words, if you put God first, God said, I will see to you, you have everything you need to do what I want you to do with your life. You'll have all the grace in every area to effectively, efficiently do whatever it is I want you to do. Now, do you believe that? God is able to make everything abound toward you in order for you to do what God wants you to do. Can God, is he able to make everything that we need to do the work of the Lord, can he make everything abound toward us that we will have everything we need to do what God wants us to do? I believe God is able. God is able. I'm not sure if I'm able, but I know God's able. But look what else he says. In verse 9, as it is written, that means it's recorded in the Old Testament, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. In other words, when you serve the Lord and you do what's right, did you know that God is going to reward you in eternity for all that you have done for him? So your righteousness will last for all eternity. Now, we're not talking about how to get to heaven. We're talking about what you have when you get to heaven. You see, salvation is a gift. It's totally free. You don't work for that. That's free. That's by the grace of God. But God says he wants us as his children to work for him. And he says that in eternity, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that we shall receive when we get to heaven. That's why we serve the Lord. Not to get there, but because of I'm already going there. I serve the Lord because I want God's blessings upon me here. And if he chooses to give me something when I get to heaven, that'll be fine too. Look what else he says in verse 10. Now he that ministered seed to the sower, both ministered bread for your food. Multiply your seed sown. God can take the work that you do and multiply it. Did you know that when you do something right for one person, you may be helping that person to help somebody that helps somebody that helps somebody that helps somebody, and you have no idea down the road how many. It's, God can take what you have and what you give and multiply it. You can lead one person to the Lord, and that person may lead thousands to the Lord. That might lead thousands to the Lord. That might lead thousands to the Lord. You don't know. But God says, I can supply the seed. You sow the seed. Trust me to work. And so he says, to minister bread for your food, multiply your seeds sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now, can you tell me why a Christian would not want to serve a God who is able to do all of that? A God who is able to give me good health if he wants to. I have a God that can give me wealth if he wants to. I have God that can multiply everything that I do if he wants to because God is able to do it. And you and I are living by faith. We're living because we know that our God is able. Now, if he doesn't do certain things it's because God has a higher purpose than what ours is. I want God to feel free to use me any way he wants. And I don't want to put no strings upon what God has to do. He doesn't have to do anything that I want him to do. He can do whatever he wants to do, and I can trust him. But it's nice knowing what my God is able 
to perform. Now look what he says here in verse 11. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. You see, when God does all these things for us, what does it cause us to do? To be thankful to the Lord. Do you just take God for granted? Are you thankful to the Lord for what you do have? Are you always living with the desire for more? And if I get more, then I might be thankful. No, be content with such things as you have. Learn to be thankful now and praise the Lord now for what you do have. Not down the road. Lord, if you give me all these things, I'll thank you for it. God says, I done already gave you this and this and this and this and this. And I haven't heard a word. Thanks back. Show your gratitude to God. Be respectful of the Lord. And in verse 12, he says, For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, in other words, because you give and it supplies their need, not only that, he says, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. In other words, because whenever you help somebody else, those people will thank God because of what you did. How many people are going to receive not only the blessing, but will give thanks to the Lord? Do you know, I believe God is so pleased when somebody is so thankful. Just learn to be thankful. Thankful for God to God for what he's done for you. Uh, look what else he says here. In verse 14, and by their prayer for you. You see, you you use what you have and you become a blessing. And then those people thank God for you and pray for you. Do you know one of the most powerful things in the world is prayer? When I don't know how to do everything and I can't do everything and I know I'm limited. Man, it does something. Remember when people say, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Because I know they're interceding on behalf of me to God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ever dream. Do you still dream? Still got a little vision? Still want to do something? Accomplish something? Or you just want to coast from here on in? Maybe you want to fly a little higher. So many things. Then that's why he says there in verse 15, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. It's like you can't find words to express how you really feel about the Lord. Take your Bible and turn to Hebrews in chapter 2. The book of Hebrews in chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, in verse 9, it makes a statement, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for almost every man. No, for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons into glory. In other words, making us perfect. And it says, to make the captain of their salvation perfect, Christ, through suffering. Because not only was God perfect, but see, he had never suffered. God is perfect, but see, he had never faced death. But coming into the world as a man, he got to face everything just like us and became a perfect Savior in every aspect. He knows about everything that we think and feel. But anyway, if you'll look back here. In verse 11, he says, For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. Christ, who is pure and holy and perfect, hath made you and I 
pure and holy. So we are the sanctified by him. And he has made us just like God, perfect in that sense. And get what else he said. Uh, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, because, or behold, I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. For in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. And look there in verse 18. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, you ought to underline this, he is able to succor them that are tempted. That means to aid, to help, to sustain those that are tempted. He was in the world, and you have at your disposal somebody who can help you face any issue in life. It doesn't matter what it is. God is able to walk with you through it, and God will do just like he promised that he will do. Look here in Philippians in chapter 3. The book of Philippians in chapter 3. There's things that God's Word tells us that we should be aware of and all the things that he's able to do for us. One day he is going to come back. But he makes this statement that you and I are to walk according to the light that he's already given us. That's the will of God. And if you walk according to the light or the truth that you already know, he will give you more truth, more light. So that's why he says up there in uh, verse 17, brethren, be followers together of me. Mark them which walk, not so as you have us for an example. Then he goes down in verse 20. For our behavior, our manner of life is in heaven, our citizenship, from which also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, According, according to the working whereby, and you ought to underline that statement, he is able even to subdue all things unto him. Now, God is able to take the body that we have and make it like unto his body. He took our soul and washed it white as snow, but he never changed the body. But the one that can wash the soul white as snow can also Make the body whole to where we can have a body that will live for all eternity. The new body that he says, as he makes the statement, he's going to change our vile body. What makes our body vile is our old sinful nature. So he's going to give us a body that does not have a sinful nature. He's able even to subdue all things unto himself. He can take everything under his feet. You and I have a God who is able to do anything he wants to do.
And he's told us a few things that he will do. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is unchangeable. And he continuously lives. He liveth forever. That's why you and I can have and rest in the fact that I have eternal security. Because I am in him that is eternal. So if I am in him that is eternal, how long am I going to be around? Forever. As long as he is. And I can't go to hell if he don't go. And I don't think he's going. I think I feel pretty safe. Pretty secure. Now, in the Bible, it says in the book of Daniel in chapter 3, we'll have to turn there right now. Well, why not go there? <laughs> Daniel chapter 3. You ever heard of the three Hebrew children? But the three Hebrew children, they refused to bend, to bow, or to burn. But Nebuchadnezzar was very mad, upset with them because they just didn't bow to him. And uh, he really didn't want to set them on fire. Nothing like being on fire for the Lord, but this is not the kind of fire on the Lord I like to be in. But he says in verse 15, he says, after he talked to them, he says, now listen, you fellows, if you be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbuck, and the psalter, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And then look what this statement is. Who is that God? That shall deliver you out of my hand. What God can deliver you out of my hand? There's where the test really is. The test is about whose God is God. Who has the power? And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were scared. No, it doesn't say that. One guy said, this is my shack, your shack, and the bungalow. But anyway, he says, they said to Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. In other words, we're not worried. We're not worried. Are you worried? Are you worried? He said, I'm not worried. Wait a minute. Why shouldn't they be worried? They're fixing to be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Shouldn't that cause everybody to be worried? We're not careful to answer you in this manner. If you throw us into the burning, fiery furnace... Look in verse 17. He says, if it be so, our God, whom we serve, and you ought to underline it, is able. Our God is able. He is able to deliver us. To deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. If he doesn't, so be it. But I know that I have a God who is able to do it. And if he doesn't do it, it means God has a higher purpose. And I can accept that. So he may let me lose my health, and he may lose, I lose wealth, and he might lose, who cares? But my God is able to keep it from happening. And if he doesn't keep it from happening, then maybe he has a, a reason he just never told me about. And I'm just going to be faithful regardless. Now, God hadn't told the three Hebrew children that he was going to deliver them. Because look what he says. He says, if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king, one way or the other. But he says, but if not, 
Be it known unto thee, O king, we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. We're not going to do it. God is able. God is able to do what God says that he can do and wants to do. And, but that doesn't mean he's going to do something just because he's able to do it, unless he has a higher reason. Not everybody is delivered out of the fiery furnace. Not everybody escapes death. Not everybody escapes poverty. Not everybody escapes bad health. Not everybody escapes it. But sooner or later, we all die. Ain't that true? Look in Acts chapter 20, the book of Acts in chapter 20. The book of Acts in chapter 20. Now, you know, the apostle Paul knew that the people he was talking to here at Ephesus, he, he knew that this would probably be the last time he'd ever talked to them. This is kind of like a farewell address to them. And he loved these people. But look there in verse 17. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. In other words, you, you know me. You know what I was like. You know how I approached you, what I did and I didn't do. And he really goes through it pretty good here. But look, just look what he said. In verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptation. In other words, this is what he said, what I had to go through in serving the Lord. This is what I went through to reach you. You see, whenever the Bible talks about going and sowing the seed with tears shall come with joy, reap with joy. Find in the Old Testament, the, the Psalms, it, it talking about sowing with tears. Uh, not the tears, you know, of the people you're reaching, but the tears you have to shed to go through all the trials and the troubles and the tribulations in order to get the seed to them, to get the word to people. You see, you could always find a better way to maybe live life and to have more and without the stress and all the problems and so forth. And you might live like that and, and say, well, it was worth it. But when you think of in the light of eternity, all the tears that's been shed because of the heartaches that you went through because you didn't take the easy road. You decide, I'm going to serve the Lord and trust the Lord. And maybe you've hurt and you suffered and there's been a lot of tears shed. Uh, this is what Paul's talking about. This is what I went through. This is how I hurt. This is how I suffered in order that I might get the gospel to you. So he says in verse 19, he says, with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the line and weight of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, and have showed you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greek, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he says, behold, I go bound to Jerusalem. He said, not knowing the things which shall befall me there, the thing that brings those tears. He says, except this in verse 23, that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. This is what served the Lord. He said, when I came to you, I came in humility of mind, serving the Lord. 